0: You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast
1: for players by players, and all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to
0: Arsenal Pass. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 41 of Arsenal Pass. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined always by calling champion Hayden Dale. Hayden, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm good, Brendan. How are you?
0: Pretty good, pretty good. So today's episode is going to be something I'm particularly excited for. We're going to be doing a uh, sort of get-to-know-your-host kind of episode. Today is about the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Hayden Dale. Who is Hayden Dale and what makes him tick? Sherry plays Flesh and Blood and Sherry sometimes goes 3-2 and drops. <laughs> <laughs> we all know this, but who really is Hayden? What motivates him's, What motivates him and what are his goals and aspirations? So before that, Hayden me into the news i feel like You're we are week in flesh and blood yeah <laughs> um
1: i'm a little nervous about this this topic uh although now i've had a little bit of practice potentially uh we may have had a small uh issue as we started to record this so we had to start again uh partway through this so um i have a little bit of a, a dry run on some questions that brennan's potentially going to throw my way and i can be a little bit more succinct hopefully but this week in flesh and blood a uh, few days out from nationals now less than 48 hours from my australian national championships so just finalizing decklist list, uh, some matchup plans, just getting comfortable. Did another sort of my last draft last night. Um yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been busy. A lot of uh actually weirdly not a lot of games, but a lot of flesh and blood. So whether that's you know, just tweaking matchup plans, um discussions, things like that with some of the team. Uh, but it's been it's been a good week. Yeah, I'm really excited for nationals. I'm a bit nervous, but I'm yeah, I'm pumped to to play and, and just get into it. How about you any flesh yeah, you and blood this it. week?
0: <laughs> um well, we did that Twitter Spaces, which mm. I want to call out because that was awesome. Um, Twitter Spaces is a really cool program where you can host like this collaborative chat on Twitter. You can have multiple hosts, bring people up on stage, it's like hand raising and stuff. Obviously, this technology exists in some other applications as well, but on Twitter, it's just so easy, right? It's right at the top of your feed. You click in, you go in, and yeah, it's it's a great way to communicate. We had Zach Bunn join us as a co-host in that uh, in that episode, and Taylor Morrow from the Attack Action podcast hopped on as well, but impromptu. Yeah,
1: and because although you say it's easy, that's a relative term, I think.
0: <laughs> it is easy unless you. <laughs> so for us, we had a bit of technical issues because I had experienced Twitter Spaces a few times, but only as a listener in other people's chat and other people's uh, rooms. And to start a room is not that straightforward. You have to do it from the application. You can't do it from desktop. And you yeah. also have to have 500 followers, which thank God I do, because we wouldn't have been able to start on time. But uh, ultimately, we had to start it from my account, tweet it from Arsenal Pass, and then I think Hayden had to, like, straight up download the application and everything. Like, it was... Uh, I got in eventually. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, it's uh, it's in beta, so...
1: <laughs> it is an awesome feature, though. Like, I did... I was a bit skeptical about doing it. Um, We had... A lot more people than I thought jump in as well. We had some really awesome contributions from Arsenal Pass listeners and viewers, as well as uh, some other community members. Like like Brendan said, we had Zach. Uh, we had Taylor on there. Uh, we had a few other people as well jump in with some some awesome contributions. And we talked about, you know, some Everfest things so far. Icelander uh, cards previewed so far. We talked about the banned and restricted and just kind of the impact for flesh and blood. And yeah, it was just, I would do it again. It was a great discussion. I'm looking forward to, to doing it again because the... The interaction and the uh, the contributions we got were just, I think, that, yeah, they that were great. They were really valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that I think that this kind of um, this kind of communication and platform is future, the, the future for content creation. Maybe not. This is where everything will move, but a, like there definitely will be a big. It'll have a larger kind of market share and. It's just awesome. Like everything about it is just so cool coming from the kind of content that we do, which is like a podcast on YouTube, which was pre-recorded and obviously uploaded later. Like we can get into this, this room where we can communicate with our audience in a very curated way where nobody's talking over each other or anything like that and just have great discussions. And then it's like, how cool is it that Hayden and I are able to do a Twitter spaces. And then like our co-host is Zach from Team Covenant. Taylor Morrow just hops in as well. And then I saw Session Blood was listening. Like (laughs) it's awesome
1: yeah yeah I mean um a few technical hitches to smooth out but you know like you say it's in beta but it's uh yeah I'm, I'm sure we'll do more of them like the timeliness is really important for us I think because our content is generally it's', it's curated right like we're we're on lead times when we upload this um even our podcast which is the shortest lead time because it requires probably the least amount of editing is still two days turnaround so um yeah I'm actually looking forward to doing another one and I think we will probably in the next week or so as we head towards everfest so it will be cool
0: oh yeah spoilers is going to be twitter spaces galore surely surely <laughs> <laughs> all right take us into the news Hayden
1: yeah let's do it so uh first thing I want to call out is ProQuest full announcement up on the Fab TCG website uh this is so we knew about the ProQuest happening for season one we they're up on Event Finder you can go and check out the closest one to you and, and what you can get involved with but as well LSS have just announced what that kind of structure looks like going forward because in, in the past we've had ProQuest at calling events on the Sunday. Every calling event on the Sunday has had a proquest, And that format is going to change a little bit. So there's still PTI events on a Sunday. Those are now going to be called battle-hardened events, which, Brennan, you 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 know you would have heard that term before. It's been, battle-hardened has been used for um, events before the calling before. Uh, so, you know, like um, sealed events where you go and play against the creators. And it's usually like a warm-up to the calling. But they're now using battle-hardened as the term for the Sunday PTI event. Still the PTI for first place. Still gold foil. Still foils for top eight bigger prize pool and the PCI that you win on the sunday can be redeemed at any pro tour or world championship unlike the pro quest uh, PCIs, which are for specific events so if you play a pro quest for season one that pti is going to qualify you for the specific pro tour one season two pro quest for the, the second pro tour so on and so on whereas these uh these calling Pcis can be redeemed for any so you can bank these uh, whereas the pro quest ones you, you can't you know you can't stack and bank and uh, really cool announcement there as well. Uh, just just check this before: is that you can play multiple. So say you go and get yourself a, a PTI, and uh, for the first pro tour, and then you want to play more events because there's gold foils and things up for grabs. The PTI does hand down. So if you win an event, you already have a, a PTI for that pro quest. It goes down to second. I don't know if it drops further, but they've announced that a first already has a pro quest win for that season. It'll it'll drop down. So yeah, excited to get in and play some pro quest. Those do start in three weeks' time. So check those
0: out. Happy with the way they executed on the ProQuest uh P- inviting. Yeah, <laughs> PTI. Like, I don't know if I can call it a PTI, but like yeah. it's like a w- weird kind of PTI, right? So it's only applicable um, to a very specific thing, and then you can only you, you, know, you can't just stack tons of them. Which I don't even know if it would be beneficial too if it was like applying to the first Pro Tour. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, that's cool. Yep, definitely. Sweet. So this weekend is uh pretty exciting, right? We've got nationals for New Zealand, Australia, and unfortunately they're not streamed. At least Australia is definitely on stream. Is definitely is not streamed uh, live. New Zealand, we don't know. Hopefully, I think that uh, watching Flesh and Blood live is one of the best things that you can do outside of being at the event. It's super fun. Hang out with your friends on like a call. Yeah, get in the conversation. Watch your, Yeah, watch people play. Like it's um. It's a bit of a tragedy that it's not going to be live, but I understand in the context of COVID logistics that it might have been impossible.
1: Yeah, that might be better for you though in the future. Actually, if they don't they don't stream events and if you're on, on coverage,
0: <laughs> really, we're going there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they they I know for Australia they are recording the games and they're going to be uploading those in the week you know following the event uh with with commentary overlay they just had logistical issues at the venue with being able to stream i think internet connections and um facilities just unable to do so so it's going to be uh, recorded and then uploaded so th- those matches will still be available and that's really cool that we're going to get recordings of of uh you know competitive flesh and blood from a national championship um but New Zealand i have asked and so far it seems that there's not a stream but uh there was talk that there might be so uh, if if we find out about one we'll we'll tweet it out we'll post about it um and a link to the stream if it does happen
0: i feel like they could jerry a jerry rig a overheated camera (laughs) we all know what that's like don't we? yeah yeah i mean it can be done so i mean that's better than nothing for sure can be
1: i did also want to shout out as well uh singapore was scheduled to have their nationals as well uh before the end of the season unfortunately couldn't take place uh, just I think restrictions and what's happening with Singapore they just weren't unable to run the event but they were able to run a PTI event so they had a pro tour you know invitation event like you'd have it a calling on a Sunday last weekend that was uh, won by Abby Fong who I believe is you know quite a well-known player in, in Singapore won Road to National things like that and winning on Briar beating ice Lixie in the finals and i know there was a couple of this ride there was katsu there was um, Lexis, there was quite a diverse there's old term there's quite a diverse top eight for this event so really cool to see and uh, congratulations to the winner there uh moving on our preview card we've got our preview card going up on friday the 28th uh, it's eastern standard time so we're gonna pop up a video of that we've seen our card it's awesome i'm excited to talk about it it's not what i was expecting uh brendan to be honest but i think there's uh yeah it's it's going to change some stuff and it's cool that we we have this card and we get to talk about it and then we also have a booster pack that we get to open which we're going to do uh i think we just we've got a clip that we've already done actually because Brendan had the pack uh we've already recorded the clip and that's going to go up on the day after the saturday which is the 29th So look out for that just a short clip uh most of the cards by then i think will be previewed and spoiled but if there's any cards in our pack that we haven't seen yet we'll be sure to shout those out and uh we'll probably upload that onto twitter and youtube shorts so that people can see the the, the coolest thing for me honestly was the the pack like the design, the, the packaging itself is is a big change, and I think it's awesome to see. Um, so it's cool for people to be able to see that as well. And then you get your hands on it a week later, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah, so I opened the pack. Um, it was better than the plastic pack in every way, which is that's cool. That is the concern. Like, obviously, this was uh, a step in the right direction for sustainability purposes, but the quality stands up, and I would argue that it's actually better than the previous packs. It was much more sturdy, and the corners look. The uh, corners were cleaner than any set of corners I've ever seen come out of a Flesh and Blood pack. Yeah. <laughs> like they were actually not dinged. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way, but we've all been there. But you get the you get the white corners of of Flesh and Blood pack, so it was really it's it's really solid and it's way more sturdy than the than the plastic. It's plastic counterpart. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm really happy this is up to the test.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think the the quality of cards coming out after Welcome to Wraith Alpha have just this is a slightly stepped down and it's it's really exciting that we potentially have this new packaging and maybe maybe a slightly different process to how they're doing things maybe there's a bit more time the quality control's a bit higher but hopefully we're going to see these um a bit less white lighting on corners and a bit less feel bad when you maybe uh, open those packs and you have a dinged majestic form majestic whatever it is cold foil I'll tell you what though just talking about opening of packs i did a draft last night at my local store and uh, a player who was kind of and there's a few players at the table wanting to draft for Nationals. And then we had a, a player who was more keen to play Classic Constructed because there's like the last chance qualifier for Nationals because there's some free spots um, just because of you know travel restrictions and things. So they're able to run a last chance qualifier for, I think, four slots for Nationals on Friday. So he was keen to, to play some games constructed to practice. But we ended up getting into the draft because there wasn't people there to play Classic Constructed. And he opened a fable. So I just wanted to share that. And I know he listens to the, um, to the pod. So I just wanted to, to shout out. Uh, what what an opening, opening a Fabled and a Draft at your local store is a a pretty good feeling
0: Yep Uh, (laughs) I don't want to be that guy Uh, but I did actually open my Cold Foil Fable Heart of Fandal, when I was sitting next to James drafting, so uh, you're right, it's a great feeling I feel like, it feels so funny when I say it that way, but I often forget about that memory and that was just the craziest experience, he was way more excited than I was, he was freaking out i was just like oh sweet (laughs) card
1: i was excited for it yeah i mean it was a first edition caution so yeah really cool pull uh in terms of other items just to talk about the lss website have put up an article called announcing pro tour one so this looks like we're going to get confirmed details of when and where the pro tour is happening speculation is north america easy to travel potentially vegas we don't know uh i thought maybe by the time we we did the pod today it might have been uploaded but it still hasn't been uploaded so probably in the coming days we're going to find out you know details on that first pro tour which is uh, it's really exciting so keep an eye out for that youtube do just want to shout out youtube want to say a big thank you to everyone who got us to over three thousand subscribers we've been kind of you know hurtling past that which has been just awesome Uh, and it was definitely our goal by the end of january and not by the end of december so thank you to everyone (laughs) who who uh, has um has hit that hit that subscribe button We've also been putting up Welcome to Wraith Draft videos. I've had a ton of fun doing these. Uh, to be honest, I did them because I really wanted to do them. Uh, but also, of course, we do have the farewell to Welcome to, Wraith, uh, Welcome to Wraith events, which was, you know, the catalyst for it. And there's been some really cool uh, sort of responses and replies, so thank you to everyone who's sort of um, sent some feedback on those. If you do want to check them out, there's a, a 101 video just detailing Welcome to Wraith Draft as an overview and then there's also hero guides for each of the heroes i plan to keep these to like seven or eight minutes some of them have blown out to double that um but there's a lot of information in there and tells you how to draft the archetypes and cards you want to look out for and um things like that and you can also check out up on the up on the arsenal Pass patreon we do have like a, a pick order guide as well just a bit of a cheat sheet um if you do want to see that
0: also on the horizon is a video that i'm particularly excited about we did a deck tech with t uh t where he showcased his blitz Oldham deck um and did a like a a standard Arsenal deck uh arsenal pass deck tech on the on the channel. So it's really cool and I'm really happy that he was able to join us. You know, the this Ultim deck in the context of the bannings, especially with Dustblade, looks really, really good moving into the next format. Obviously, Everfest makes that very variable, very well, but it's really cool and I appreciate T so much for coming on. He actually even went further than that and wrote us an extra piece for our Patreon, just kind of going deeper into the matchups and some of the deck choices that he made. But the core deck guide as well as the deck list is over on YouTube. So check that out when it goes up and show them some love.
1: Yeah, big shout out to T. It's um, Ultim looks really well positioned in Blitz as we head forward in terms of, you know, like you say, we don't know what Everfest brings, but the fact that Dustblade has, has uh, been cut, you know, the changes to Briar, uh, which that Dustblade was a big problem for Ultim. It feels like you have a, a hero there that's really well positioned and we'll see what, what Everfest does. But um could be the deck to pick up and play as you head into sort of early blitz and a skirmish certainly surely on the
0: horizon yeah Mm -hmm. with this being our second go round hayden i am a bit famished but it sounds like you got some cooking for me on the barbie over there what you got what's the commander cookout session looking like
1: commander cookout definitely got a question for you first of all i do just want to shout out if you want to get your questions in for the commander cookout you can drop them in the youtube comments you can dm them at us you can tweet them at us uh you can email them to arsenalpassfab at gmail.com uh we even have our Patreons uh, patrons on our Patreon discord dropping in some questions and that's where this one comes from so Travis fights dragons asks or say you know his question is how much of Runeblade's current power level do you guys feel is stemming from the excellent equipment options between multiple chess piece options that are great grasp of the Knight, spellbound creep is providing good utility and defensive values it seems like they have a more complete wardrobe of powerful options that's not to mention, also not to mention, Rosetta Thorn as a very pushed weapon. Do you think that other classes simply getting similar equipment weapon options will bridge the gap in a significant way? Now, Brendan, we, we already answered this question because we recorded this and unfortunately we, we lost the file. So uh, just to, I guess, sum up this, I think our thoughts, and maybe I'll start with my thoughts and then you can add on yours, but... My sort of general thoughts on this is that, yes, I think that the equipment options that Runeblade has and the weapon options, because don't forget, you've got Galaxy Black, you've got Nebula Blade, you've got Dread Scythe, um, Rosetta Thorn, of course. You know, there's all these weapon options that you have available. And then you also have these equipment options. So not many heroes in this game have the kind of slew of equipment options that, that Runeblade has, Rune has currently. You've got Warrior, which I think is a really good ca- uh, call out, where you've got the uh, Courage of Bladehold, You've got the braces. You've got the Valiant Dynamo, which is, I think, a pretty underexplored piece of legendary equipment right now, and we could see that stock rise. your thunder, there, Brendan. <laughs> but outside of that, yeah, it feels like you know you look at a hero like Katsu. Outside of mask of momentum, how excited are you to play that that hero from an equipment standpoint? What sort of power do you feel like you're getting? You have with Runeblade. You have a setup item in the form of Blood Sheath um, scalator. You have great defensive equipment options you know in terms of just the value they add and then you have these spellbound creepers now which is not only a utility piece but can actually open up avenues of deck design and gameplay uh, and allow you to craft hands in a bit of a different way so yeah that i do honestly think that that is that is a good point and i think with everfest and we've already sort of seen this with lss's um hints on twitter they're dropping little easter eggs on twitter that they've said we're getting a class equipment for a here for a class that has not had one of that slot before. So we are going to see some of these, whether that's common, rare, majestic, legendary. Don't know, but it looks like we're going to get something. And if it's some things that are similar to um, Skeleto, you know these 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 pieces that can be set up orientated that can drive some really cool gameplay and, and design and give the deck more options or the class more options. I yeah, I think that's really going to help some other classes come up.
0: Well, as I said, that was a bit of a summary of our first answer. So I'm <laughs> going to say agree. So <laughs> have to say agree on that one. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, Runeblade has an incredible arsenal for equipment, and I think that it significant contributed to its power level. Um, that being said, you know, a lot of we're, we're basically confirmed that more equipment uh, like that is coming in Everfest, so I think that there's going to be a lot of stocks that will rise. I'm particularly interested in Valiant Dynamo. Um, I think the one-handed weapon archetype for warrior is yet to be fully explored.
1: Just a quick question for you because we'll we'll probably talk about this once we have details on everfest next week we're gonna we're gonna know what's coming in the set do you think we see reprints in the set if so yep. what what do you think we see just quickly um speculation
0: cap, command and conquer and potentially enlightened strike at least uh definitely command and conquer i think <laughs> maybe i gotta just say that with conviction i think yes i think not maybe i'll can i stay
1: there was a I'll hint from lss an easter egg a card that a generic card that destroys cards uh, that can destroy cards in arsenal is a command and conquer reprint maybe maybe not
0: it Seems a bit too on the nose if it's literally command and conquer for lss usually they're a bit they like to trick us maybe um, but
1: maybe this is a double bluff you know
0: yeah double bluff so Hayden, heading into the main topic here i do not envy you having to answer some of these questions twice especially the first one um but like I said, this isn't get to know your host. This is the Thoma Fiendale, <laughs> opening the book, reading the scripts. And right, I'm going to start out with a quote-unquote normal question to give the audience a sort of baseline. Tell me about your history of Flesh and Blood. How did you get into the game?
1: Yeah, yeah. As Brennan said, we um, I think we got through a few questions before we had to re-record. So uh, luckily, I'm not as blindsided by some of these and I can hopefully succinctly answer some of these uh, a bit better. So... In terms of how I came across Flesh and Blood, actually, it was at a, a magic event. So I was back in New Zealand uh, for a magic event that I go to yearly with some friends. It's like a bit of a, a get together. We do a trip. It's an excuse to to get together and play play cards. Right, and we go to these events. They're um they have big prize pools. In New Zealand run by um, a local named Marnie who organizes these cash prizes. And in one of the final rounds of this event, I think it was before top eight. I think both me and this player were locked for top eight. But I was playing as Jason Chung. Was one of the developers for Flesh and Blood, and I was just asking him, you know, "What are you doing right now? What's what's happening now that kind of you, you you know you're not playing on the Pro Tour for Magic anymore?" And he was telling me, "I'm a I'm a game designer. I'm designing for this game called Flesh and Blood. You should check it out. Uh, I know you live in Sydney. We're doing a big ten thousand dollar tournament in Sydney in two months' time. Uh, once we've released the game, so come and check it out." I just thought, "Yeah, maybe maybe I'll go check it out." And then when um, I was like following on, you know, like Facebook and stuff, and I saw that Flesh and Blood was being released and they did the world premiere and stuff and i saw that happening and we went and played some irodex um, me and my girlfriend went and played some irodex at like a, our local game store loved it we're just like oh this game is you know it's really simple it's really awesome don't know what these slots over on the side here are doing or what the you know what these things are here what's equipment but um, <laughs> but you know like this this game seems awesome and then the game releases obviously the system is fulfilled and it's even more than we thought it was pick up some of the hero decks, just play those, learn the heroes, pick up some booster boxes. We start building sealed decks. Uh, and then good friend of mine, Jason long comes over to Sydney for the calling. Uh, so the that couple of days before stays with me, we play some more sealed helps us, you know, with the format because he's just come off the back of top adding the Auckland calling. Uh, and then we go along to the Sydney calling already loving the game, to be honest. And then just the, everything about the event kind of hooked me. Um, james white's impassioned speech before the event started about the game and where his vision for the game is and the design of this game the gameplay itself the people i met there um there were some amazing people there and some people who are still stalwarts in this community you know kyle mccreith matt rogers sasha markovich luke badger um you know so many names were at this this first calling uh and that's kind of just that was it for me and i've never really looked back and and of course, there's been a lot of downtime because of, of COVID and things like that, not actually playing a lot of competitive flesh and blood, but that was, that's a big part of what hooked me. And I remember as I was walking out of the, the hall after the calling, um, I, said to my, I said goodbye to James White and said, thank you for the event. And then I just said, I'll, I'll see you at Worlds. And that was kind of, that was it.
0: <laughs> what a guy. A guy. First question <laughs> to follow up is, uh, why flesh and blood? there's so many games out there to choose from why have you decided to devote so much time to fab specifically
1: yeah it's a good question um i played mcg played magic for a lot of my sort of i guess like teenage years and, and early 20s um and i enjoyed it i enjoyed the game i had really good friends i have really good friends from playing magic and it was a big part of of my youth but I never felt like I could devote myself to the game to be as competitive as maybe I'd want to be uh, as being a competitive person. But something so I think just like clicked with flesh and blood. Um, and I don't know if it's like circumstance, just the time of my life. I was in a new city, in a new country, and I maybe, you know, I didn't have as many friends, as much as a busy social calendar, I had opportunity to to devote a bit more time to, to a hobby, uh, go to game stores, play events, things like that but i think that's a part of it but honestly i think the biggest part is like this game just something about the design the the way it plays made sense um seeing james white talk about it seeing the community that was already starting to develop uh even like down to the art i've never really been into art with card games but i loved the art for flesh and blood i think all those things just were kind of uh, there like and and that's i'd never chose like i'm going to devote myself to flesh and blood i'm going to devote a big chunk of my my time and my life to it. It just has happened. It's just happened gradually. Um, whether it be from like playing through making content, it's just happened and I I'm hooked I, and, and I don't see myself, you know, sort of walking away from anytime soon, that's for sure.
0: So from a self actualization perspective, what does flesh and blood do for you? Is it simply a medium where you can be creative? Does it satisfy a competitive drive? Or does it provide you with a community and a sense of family that you can't get somewhere else potentially just feel free to elaborate on this one
1: yeah this is this is a question and a half <laughs> i think it's difficult to, to answer i think it's all those things you said and and more to be honest you know community um creativity competitive drive is massive for me that's a big part of of things i've i've always been a, attracted to is is around competition um but i think it goes deeper than just that sense of competition i think um i think being an early adopter is a big piece of of what it what it does for me, or why it's sort of hooked me in, um and then that's the ability from there, I think, to be sort of like on the front lines right to to be creative, like you say, to design decks and and play these events that people haven't played before um to now now through to creating content, which isn't something that I never thought I would do is now actually a big part of what I guess what flesh and blood gives me, uh and I guess what I can be involved with in flesh and blood and um I think that sort of piece is like, I never, I never really thought I'd do it, but just seeing people's enthusiasm for the game and feeling like I have something to share or something that keeps me doing that. And then it, I just can't go past the, like this, the, the competitive side of it. I think it's something that I remember being in that first calling and James White saying like his vision for this game is for there to be a pro tour, for there to be a competitive you know, schedule for this game, for it to be rivaling the biggest TCGs out there in terms of the competitive sort of um you know events that they have, the high level of of events they have, and I thought, yeah, it's really ambitious and it's cool that he's that ambitious, but that's never going to happen. You know, it's probably not going to happen, and and it, it it is happening, right? It is you know, what what other games have a have a million dollar prize pool, um, or for a year of events, and it's something that I think is just that's what flesh and blood is giving me as as an ability to an uh, outlet my competitive drive. I think.
0: Would you say that Flesh and Blood has transcended just being a game and that's even actually a part of your core identity now?
1: Yeah, yeah, de- definitely, definitely. And I don't think I ever thought, I don't think I've ever stopped to think that before. I don't think I've ever stopped to think, oh, you know, like like I said before, I don't think I've been like, this is X amount of time and this is X part of my life that is Flesh and Blood, but it's just taken over. And, and it, to be honest, it wasn't slow. You know, with some things you go, oh, slowly it's taken over my life. No, it just was pretty immediate, to be honest, from, the f- The first time i played the first calling i went to uh to then starting to be fortunate enough to to make make some content initially writing for the game and then of course what we do now it is like it's in my dna it's part of who i am it's um it's a big part of my time spent it's a big part of my life and i love that i enjoy that I, if i didn't i wouldn't be doing it uh but yeah i think it's part of who who hayden who hayden dale is now
0: Now we get to get into uh, ones I'm particularly interested in, because I think that these are important questions for a lot of people. Um, They don't really get talked about. And I see a lot of my friends actually struggle with this kind of stuff. How do you deal with the weight of your past success? You were a calling champion. Do you feel the need to represent that legacy in your current competitions? And do do you feel like there are expectations or a reputation that you have to live up to?
1: Um. Yes, and and also no. Uh, I think I've said this before. I think the the person who puts the most pressure on me is me. Like I think that's where most of my my pressure and I guess feeling of a need to succeed comes from. Um, it's kind of weird because I think this like title of like calling champion almost to me feels like more of a weight than a than a privilege to a degree. And and because on one hand I go well, you know. <laughs> My calling was, you know, it was an early calling. It was was a bit softer than the callings we have now. Uh, albeit, you know, I had to beat the beat players like Cal McRae and, and Matt Rogers and Nick Butcher to to get that. But the game has developed so much, and these these these, we're worldwide now. We're global, and so for me, it's like, um, the pressure for me, I think, comes from me wanting to succeed more, to have a second calling title to my name, to have a Pro Tour to my name. Um, that's where I think, and I don't feel like the outward pressure. I don't feel like I have. Uh, people in the community who put that pressure on me. Um, I feel like it's, it's comes from, from me personally. And there might be people who feel like, you know, I should be succeeding um, and I want to be, Uh, but I don't think it's, I don't think I have anything to live up to. Like, I don't feel like I have anything to live up to for people, for other people. I think it's for me. And there's a certain group of people in my life that I really care about what they think, you know, my really close friends and, and family. Um, And then I also, I care what, our community thinks they care about what the arsenal pass sort of family and community thinks but you know they're pretty supportive we have a really supportive group of people around us so i don't um not, i honestly don't feel like there's like a, a like a legacy or a weight that's expect expected of me i think it's more an internal thing to be honest
0: so you've answered to an extent you answered kind of the macro portion of my next question okay. but <laughs> i want to i want to ask you this question in the context of do you ever for a moment feel this way and if you do talk to me about that feeling right i want you to dig into it because i know even if if you're not someone who struggles with it on kind of a daily basis over a longer period of time i know a lot of people that (laughs) that feel this way and it really kind of beats them um and that's do your failures in competitive flesh and blood ever make you feel like a fraud? do you feel like you're not the person that everyone thinks you are or the person that even you think you are maybe (laughs) but
1: i think mostly no um i think it's natural to feel you know um like sometimes you do you don't do well and that feels like maybe you're a fraud to others or to yourself or you've disappointed people um or you've disappointed yourself is a big thing but i think like i'm really adamant that I'm not defined by my success. I think in these in these events, I think I'm defined by who I am as a person. You know, the things that I say, the things I do, the actions I take, um, how I am with people. I think those are the the ways that I'm defined. And and whether that's true or whether that's just how I see it, that's that is at least how I see it. But I think for me, success is a part of 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 who I am, and it's what I want to have and achieve. So yeah, there's definitely times where I. Uh, you know i think about the auckland calling where i went you know two two or two two three drop whatever it was you know i didn't make day two and like the half an hour after that was like a really difficult time you know like it sucked it was, it was crap you know i went for a walk i sort of reflected on what had happened but my initial thought wasn't oh what are people going to think about me doing this my initial thought was i'm really disappointed that i'm not going to get to go and draft on day two and fight for a top eight here but then in the back of my head yeah you know after a little bit of time i go hm, man like what a." when we talk about this on the pod like people gonna think like you know oh hayden he's not very good at the game or he's he's not he should have been more successful he should have at least made day two all these things kind of go through your head but you know what i push them out pretty quickly because they they don't they don't matter right the at the end of the day one of the biggest thoughts i think you can have and and this is definitely the kind of mind frame i think i have now is like after that calling 45 minutes after that my thought was there's a pro quest tomorrow i'm gonna get ready for that i'm gonna go and win that pro quest there's an event next week you know um there's another calling down the road like this isn't the last event i'm ever going to play there's more chances for success and um that's that's kind of where my focus is so no i don't i don't think i feel like a fraud or anything like that i think those thoughts might go through your head but it's it's it needs to be a small part of the way you think if anything at all
0: talk to me about what it means to be process oriented rather than results oriented
1: it's a good one yeah i think that's something that you've really helped me with to be honest and something that's been a big part of how we've not just gone after what we're doing with arsenal pass but also how we test and how we prepare for events is that we we are process orientated you know results um they're desirable and they're they're what we want to have right we want to have success we want to win events we want to play on the pro tour we want to play world championships we want to win those but you know what if you don't enjoy what you're doing why are you doing it i i wouldn't do it you know if i didn't enjoy the process of testing of preparing of trying to break formats of trying to understand and learn like that is the biggest part of it and that's the, that's the stuff i enjoy and that's actually a big part i think of why why we do content because that that journey that process is something that we want to we want to share as well so i think to be happy you kind of have to be process orientated and actually to be successful i think you you often need to be process orientated because if you're only results orientated you can miss so many things you can get to your event and you know what you've been so focused on the event and the the you know the micro of the event that your process has just not been right
0: the flagpole destination point whatever word you want to use it always moves right
1: yeah the the goal the yeah
0: oh yeah always moves and this is the the classic of the journey not the destination i think it's uh Sure. it's an active it's an active battle to learn and find a way to find joy in the in the journey right
1: yeah i mean like i said if if i was only results oriented and only thought about say, nationals this weekend and the process was unenjoyable or it just didn't matter to me um i probably wouldn't do it i would just i might still play the game and i might still want to compete but I would probably be, I'd be less successful because my process wouldn't be in the right spot. I'd be coming to events with little preparation, you know, um, not doing the things that I feel like I do to, to try and to try and be successful, to try and have a good event. And then at the end of the day, like we just talked about, the results, are, to be honest, the results are secondary. Like they, they honestly are, um, which is weird to say, but it's because this is a hobby at the end of the day, right? This is a, is a game that I play for the passion of it. It's not It's not my job. It's not my career; it's um, it's something that I enjoy and love doing. And to be honest, I think that about your career and your job as well. But especially when it comes to your hobby, I think that uh, you know the the process and the enjoyment has to be there.
0: I'm <laughs> See, smiling. So i smile. I I would have dug into that one for you, but it's coming up later. No okay, word. all right. <laughs> so, why do you do content? You spend so much time, so much energy. What motivates you? Like, what's the point? What's your goal? Why do you do it? Yeah, I mean,
1: I think at first it was like, it was an opportunity. It was, I am enjoying this game. I'm loving it. There's very little content out there. Let's write some articles. Let's write about, you know, I think my first two articles I wrote were about Viserai. No one's talking about this hero. I'm really enjoying playing it. Um, here's, here's some articles about it. And then I was offered an opportunity to write for Channel Fireball and continue to do that, to share knowledge get people into the game and that's the biggest part of it and it continues to be for me is like show people the game give them value um teach people the things that i've learned whether it be like core fundamentals whether it be the things we're learning in our testing in our process and that is that is a big part of it but it's become i think it's become so much more for me i think it's become for me now i feel like the reason i do content is to provide entertainment it's to provide knowledge it's education it's um it's community building to be honest, and it's it's friendship as well. Like the the friendships I've made through doing content, whether it be you know me and you, Brendan, the friendship that we've that we have now, be that with other people that have now I become friends with because of the content. You know, the, I think of people like Zach barn uh, from Ten Covenant through you know first meeting him because we wanted to have him, or for me wanting to have him on the channel and to, to discuss with him, and then becoming friends. Like this is been a big part of it for me and the the arsenal past, like family and community we have around us um i i think in my head and deep down i feel like that's that's a big part of of why i do it and continue to do it and because it's fun i just love doing it if i didn't again just like playing i just wouldn't if i didn't enjoy it and i didn't feel like people i could impart some value i just i just wouldn't do it
0: yeah <laughs> my favorite word <laughs> when talking about Continuing to do things while you do things, and particularly Arsenal passes accountability. Like I think you develop a level of accountability to the people you work with. Whether for me, it's Hayden Dale, my friends. You know, like Hayden said, you can say Zach Bond is an example, and also the audience, the people that enjoy it, the people that keep going back and are willing to spend their time. Right. Because I think that that's actually you know an asset that they're giving up to consume Arsenal pass content, and it's non-zero. Right. It matters. Okay we appreciate it
1: so i've just got to say that's so important because we i think i have a real philosophy about the way that we 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 do what we do on arsenal pass and you know we've made some updates to the channel and things we want to do recently and that's through the lens of we want to make the best content we can and we want it to be valuable we want people to be able to take something away we don't want to make stuff for the mate stuff for the sake of making stuff that's not not who we are we don't do it to to, to earn money you know that's not why we do it it's it is literally about in my eyes it's giving back to to our community like that is that is the biggest part of it and yeah Brendan I think my friendship with you keeps me accountable to a degree but to be honest you're you're a good friend of mine now and if if I couldn't do it anymore I just turn around and say Brendan sorry I just I just can't and I know that you'd be okay with that because we we have that friendship but the the community and our, our Arsenal past viewers and listeners the, like those people honestly drive me to to continue to do it because I know that they get value out of it if it comes a day where you know I don't feel like people are getting value out of what I do and what I share because I just, you know, there's people out there doing a better job than me um, or, you know, I'm just kind of out of touch with the game because circumstances, then yeah, then yeah, I'd probably I'd probably give it away, but I just, we're not there. <laughs> I love it.
0: So you spend a lot of time in the public eye, which I know sounds crazy. Relatively. <laughs> yeah, in flesh and blood, maybe. <laughs> but it's true, right? Because, you know, through this, through this channel, through anything else you do publicly, flesh and blood, um, it is Hayden Dale putting himself out there to the masses, the anonymous masses, right? So, how do you deal with some people saying not so nice things about you?
1: You know, I'm very lucky. I think personally, I haven't had too much of that. I think with Arsenal Pass, we maybe get it a bit more. Um, when it's truly negative and it's destructive, my my approach is ignore it because it's not. It's not helping anyone. It's not. It's just doing a disservice to, to us and to the person making those comments. To be honest, if it's c- constructive feedback, which we do get, and I'm really appreciative for that feedback, whether that's for me personally for the things that I do and say, or for Arsenal Pass, th- those things are really helpful and beneficial. And then, of course, there's there's a bunch of positive stuff as well. But when it's um when it's just purely negative and it's kind of baseless, uh, I just I just ignore it because that's not. I know that's not the majority of people. That is the minority that say that um and i think for my mental health and for for enjoyment i just i can't engage with with that stuff like i said there's some stuff that's genuinely constructive and that is very helpful you know there's some stuff we've maybe Donald said in the past that um people haven't reacted well to and i can understand that there's there's certain things i've had conversations with people where maybe you know something we we did they they didn't think was the right thing or they had it they had feedback for us and that's fine that's that's really good to have those conversations but I think um, when it becomes, yeah, just when it's just not factually based or people just have this, this, these ideas, um, they're often just not worth in engaging with. Um, so, yeah, I just, for my sanity, it's uh, ignoring a lot of, um, and there's not much, like I say, there's not much of it, but the, the majority is overwhelmingly helpful and, and positive and constructive. Do you think
0: I, that the, the negative comments that do come are disproportionately magnified compared to their positive counterparts
1: i was going to throw that question back on you because i know it's something that we've talked about right like it's impacted us before like i think especially early on when when we were starting to make some changes with arsenal pass we're starting starting to make some videos um people were you know they had things to say yeah it does i think it it does just because one you can read through youtube comments and have 10 really nice comments and we we try and respond to every single comment um and and So you know I'm reading these. So we might have 10 nice pieces and then one can really bring you down and you think about that that piece, right? I don't know we've talked about this before like can linger in your mind. But what actually gets me to be honest is when I've made a mistake or like the quality is not up to my standard and then someone makes a comment about that because I think that's a valid comment and those are the ones that stick in my head and whether whether 10 you know 9 of the 10 people enjoyed it and then one person didn't because um you know oh I couldn't the cards weren't clear or the sound was a bit off or whatever like those things stick with me um more so to be honest if there's just like a purely like hate-driven or negative comment i think i'm getting better now at just leaving those to the side <laughs> you've got to you've got to honestly you've got to
0: you have to you have to <laughs> no it's so true you have to uh you won't you won't be sane if you don't um i, I don't know i
1: just gotta say i don't know how like we're in we're in a real niche, right? Like flesh and blood is so small. Like we have an amazing community around us, and and just a, the the wider community of flesh and blood is growing, and it's fantastic to see. People on like a larger scale, I just I don't know how they how they deal with it, to be honest.
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's like a deeper philosophical question is, I yeah. too, which maybe we shouldn't get into. Is just like is is it, uh, is it the price? Is it the price you pay? Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. So, who is Haydendale outside of flesh and blood? What are your loves? What are your passions? And what makes Hayden Dale get up in the morning?
1: Wow. So a really short, small question here. Really easy one. Um. Wow. So I think my like my circumstances and in, in my life give me fuel, right? Like my the things I have in my life are what fuels me to get up in the morning. So my passions, my my career. Um, what i do in my spare time uh, my like my love of fitness like all these things my love of achievement like these are the things that probably get me get me up in the morning Um, in terms of like what my loves and passions are well i mean flesh and blood is is now a big part of that right is now a big part of the thing that i often go to bed and then wake up the morning thinking about (laughs) flesh and blood whether that be for arsenal pass whether that be a deck i'm working on whether that be an event that's coming up you know nationals has been on my mind a lot this week um that's a that's a passion for me competition is like a big thing and i talked about it a little bit earlier but it is something that really drives me um it's been a constant in my life whether that be you know sports in a younger age whether that be i mean even to the point you know that in my office i'm like all right what fantasy sport are we playing i gotta win the work league you know what i mean like it's a it's something that i really enjoy but honestly, like, it's um Things like so, a big part of my life has been like dancing, for instance, like those those sort of things. Um, travel, I, I love to to travel, and you know, I look forward to doing more of that in the future. Whether that's hopefully flesh and blood related as well, I can roll, roll two things I love into into one. Um, I've been very fortunate that me and my partner we've we've traveled quite a bit. We've we've made that a goal, sort of, in our twenties to to travel and to see the world. Um, if I go a bit, I guess a bit deeper, uh, I love stories. I love history. Those things are things that really uh sit with me and play on my mind a lot. I love I think I love movies for that reason as well. I love I love tragedy, I love happiness. I love reading and and seeing these kind of stories and often these stories sit with me for a long time. Um history is like something that I've been quite interested in from a young age, and this idea that you can have stories that are both real and and not real, so fact you know, fact and fiction um uh, things that play into I think who I am quite a bit <laughs> so like movies i do, do I like books i do i do i I like I like to like i say i like stories whether that comes through and I'm not too fussy about the medium but I do enjoy the feeling of reading a book and being in your own world where you decide what the characters look like based on the description you get to decide when and where you read. I think those are really important things. And often I find that the experience of a book or a story, it can be so influenced by your surroundings, you know? So if it's a rainy day in winter and I'm sat in my room with, you know, the blinds open so I can see out, that can influence how I'm reading the story. If it's a hot summer's day and I'm sitting, you know, on a lake, you know, on the side of a lake, like that can influence how I'm reading a story. So yeah, I, I do like to read. It's, um, I find it difficult with life and time but um when i can i usually do it on holiday i'd say is where i do the most of my reading now or if it's business related it's it's for work so that's not as fun
0: what book has had the most impact
1: on you um your
0: life that's a that's a great question um
1: i don't know i honestly don't know i think there's one book in particular that is my favorite book I don't know if it's had the, the biggest impact on me. I'd probably have to rack my brain a little bit deeper. Uh, I think I've talked about it before on maybe one of our pods, but The Name of the Wind uh, by Patrick Rothfuss mm. is a is a book that I really, I mean, the first time, and I, honestly, the biggest impact actually would be the first time I read that story. I was just like blown away and I just did not want, not want the book to end. And I haven't had that experience with many books before. And I've since read it, reread it, you know, five, six times because uh, I think the way it's written, the story, the story, as I say, the story for me is always so big that it tells. Uh, I would go back to, so often um and the sequel to that story as well and i think to be honest probably has had a a reasonable impact on me because it's it probably reignited my love for stories i think i read that book maybe four or five years ago maybe maybe even six seven years ago now and before then i had this real lull like during my time at university where like reading for me was academic and i kind of lost that that love for reading um so maybe that book has had a big impact just for that reason
0: yeah I, lo- I really love the, the conclusion to the name of the win series. That's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs>
1: cool. Waiting with bated breath. That's what it's called. That's what it's called. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we'll bring it back, right? Um, what do you do for work? What do I do for work?
1: So uh, I'm a fashion buyer. So basically I, I travel around and I buy clothing to put into the retail stores that I work for. Um, I buy, buy menswear products. So, you know, fashion products, T-shirts, pants, jackets you know as as guys i guess we're we're reasonably simple a pair of pants a t-shirt and a jacket we're kind of we're kind of good right so it's it's not it's not rocket science but it's i i love it like the the aspects of travelling that i get to do uh, i get to do a lot of negotiating and um doing deals so there's a lot of aspects of like winning you know of competition and that there's relationship building i get to spend a lot of time with different people meeting new people going to you know like trade shows fashion shows things like that so um yeah, it's awesome. I've I've bought I've been a buyer for a while now. So I've I've been uh, I guess a corporate buyer for different categories. I've bought like food products before. Um, I bought like I bought ladies' handbags for a while, and, and now I buy men's fashion, which um yeah, which I really enjoy. But the regardless of the product I buy, I think the travel and the people was like the part that kind of makes it for me. To be honest,
0: do you love what
1: you do? <laughs> I guess I kind of already answered that. Yeah, I, I do. I do. It's um. It's, never, it's not something i ever thought i would do i didn't think i would you know be be in this this job i didn't really know what this job was when i was younger i had really like set intentions when i was at university i think about what i wanted to do um but i feel really lucky and privileged to have kind of stumbled upon the job that i have and the, the company i work for um yeah i think like the pursuits of passion is really important and stumbled upon this because of that because i kind of took a leap of faith and moved to a different country and it's something that i think you've got to you've got to do in your life if you have the opportunity to do so i think you can't turn those things down so i just feel privileged that i had that opportunity and and then i am where i am now
0: <laughs> yeah for sure i mean definitely echo that um the experience of starting up somewhere totally new it's just a- it's a, such a formative thing to do. Um, you've done a lot of it, right? You've,
1: you've lived in different countries and different cities. And it's, it's an experience, right? You, you're in different places. You don't know people. You take different jobs. You experience different things. You learn new things.
0: Yep. And I think that it's some of the most important things I've done in my life. Uh, but I can recall certain experiences that I look back on now and I think about them positively. But I know that I wasn't happy during that time where I was uncomfortable because i didn't know anybody or i didn't speak the language very well or I, yeah it's just it's not home right you've got to you got to rebuild that from from not much and that's tough but it teaches you a lot so hey if i found if i if you found out you had five years to live and i would provide you with the exact amount of money you needed to cover all your basic human needs such as food shelter medical etc would you still be working that job for those fi- those, five <laughs> job, sorry, for those five years this job
1: sorry those five years these are like proper hardball questions now i I thought when we were at the flesh and blood questions, they were starting to get hard.
0: I'll let the audience know these are the ones that he hasn't answered yet. So that's, that's what That's true. Thinking.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's taking me a little bit longer, maybe. Uh, no, but not because I don't love what I do, but because there's so many things I want to do in my life. And I think the current job I have now, I have like a, there's like a time limit, I think, on how long I want to do it for. I know that there's other things that I want to do. There's experiences I want to have. There's places I want to, to live. Um, so yeah, I think if I only, if I knew I only had five years, for instance, then I would just get on with it I, as much as no, I love. F-
0: no, that was a fine <laughs> answer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. As much as I love what I, what I do, I think uh, I'm like in my late twenties, 30 is like a big marker for me, uh, in my life, I think. Um, and if I knew that that was an even further marker than I thought it might be, um, I would probably make some changes, but it's, it's so tough, right? Because no one knows how long they have on, on this planet um so i think you've got to always make decisions with the idea that you should make the most of what you have so that's a, it's a good philosophical question but it's tough to answer
0: <laughs> yeah the old easier said than done on that yeah, exactly one. um so what's the goal what are you working towards professionally what do you want to achieve yeah, well um you it, it, it could be a mo- it could be a number you can throw me a number A and i i feel like that's not going to sum it up
1: a number you mean like <laughs> what like a cash $1 million a million <laughs> right right no i don't thousand
0: yeah. thousand. yeah i don't think
1: if you yeah i don't think i have a number um
0: you don't have, I have to p- it's not a prerequisite right <laughs> i expect it to not be a number
1: i have an i have a goal in terms of like a job that i want um mm-hmm. in the near future What's that? uh it's it's uh like a, a divisional market manager so it's um it's beyond a, a buyer which i do now i guess it's training buyers it's being more strategic and thinking it's you know it's it's planning based i guess it's something that i want to do but it's not something i want to do for forever but it's it's a goal i have i think in my current sort of career beyond that um i've i've really had this idea since i was younger of and since i i think as i've gotten older this has become more and more prevalent as something that i want to do and i think it's natural to have this but to do something where i can have some impact i guess whether it be from like a moral or philosophical standpoint for me Um, I think I have some like fairly strong beliefs around like humanity and and forces for good Um, and I I know everyone has these things right and everyone has these ideas and and wants to be a better person or wants to do better for the people around them Um, but I think I have it as I think I have a goal that I want that to be a part of my life at some point and a part of what I do I just don't know what that is I don't know what that looks like um, or where or when that would be I just know that I think the the job and the career that i'm in as much as i love it i don't know if it's the right fit for my sort of um i guess my long-term beliefs it sounds really corny but you know Mm -mm. i I think it's i have these uh ideals that i want to make sure that i i give back to at some point in my life i just need to work out what that looks like i haven't done it yet
0: do you think do you think or are you afraid that there's a risk that um you always plan to do that but you'll never find the time. I can't wait to send these questions back on you at some point. Oh, no way. <laughs> no chance.
1: Yeah, definitely. I definitely. But this goes back to what I said before like you have to you have to take these leaps. Like so say the opportunity came up. I think I would take it now, uh, yeah. knowing what I know now and where I am in my life. Um I always thought it might be like something political. I just don't think I could do that to be honest. I think politics would be hard, even local sort of politics would be hard. I just don't know if that's the place where i'd have an impact but maybe if if something came up where i felt like it was an opportunity for me to do some of the things that i know long term i i want to do um i think at this point in my life like i would just take it but yeah i mean sometimes you have to make the opportunities happen right they don't just manifest themselves so it's easy to have the ideals and the ambitions and the the end goals but if you kind of never make steps towards it they're probably not going to happen so
0: yeah Mm -hmm. let's imagine that your life is a book It's 500 pages long. Tell me a little bit about what's on and around page 350.
1: There's some math there. So weird. I think, you know, when you read a book, right? And you go, there's a timeline in a book, but the timeline isn't even. It's not like you spend one chapter with the character for each year of their age, right? It's generally not how Mm -hmm. it is. You you might spend phases with them that are more important, you know, that are more formative there. Maybe if it's a coming of age story, like the adolescence will be like 50% of the, you know, 80% of the book, maybe even, um, unless we're talking about Harry Potter, right? Yeah, he gets seven years, but you know, you don't, you don't see much after that, whatever it is. So I think for me, page three fifty could be, it could be right now, or it could be in 30 years time. It really depends on like where I think, uh, the biggest parts of my life are yet to be. Thanks
0: the essence is uh look at that sequentially right and then if you want to kids, it's like family kids, exactly job where do you want to be living want to be in australia want to be in new zealand like wh- what are you doing where do you want to be kind of in your your middle to late age right or past the halfway mark you know we're settling down what does that look like for hayden dale um i don't know honestly i don't know i think
1: um think it's going to depend there's so many things i want to do and it depends on like timelines of those i want to live in another country i want to do a different job at some point i want to have a different career at some point probably if i was to like if i was to put some money on it what it probably looks like it probably looks like uh me being around family and friends and the people that mean the most to me i think that's probably what it looks like
0: all right i got some yes and no ones and then just some fun ones after that yes some fun ones ones thank you
1: yeah <laughs> not that yeah, i haven't not, not that i haven't enjoyed doing this i i think i i don't know if people will find this me interesting um i've definitely reflected on some of these questions you've asked me and they've not been easy
0: <laughs> yeah we got some rapid fire ones um all right again this is just yes or no do you ever feel like your life is ending and that you're nothing but a passenger lacking the control to appreciate every moment for the gift that it is <laughs> <laughs> easy quick fire it's question. Yes no. no no i don't i don't feel like yeah. that you're almost 30 how does it uh does it feel like time is speeding up
1: yeah definitely 100% every every year that goes by I feel like it's faster you have less time less free time more commitments more responsibilities yeah yeah people tell is people said that to me I think like when I was younger right like as, as you as you get to the peak in your life you have less time and then once you get older maybe you have a bit more time but yeah it's it definitely feels like that
0: is it easier to love or
1: be loved is it easier to love or to be loved? Um, I think it depends on the person. I think for me, it's easier to be loved.
0: Okay. Okay, this is, not, this is not yes or no. If you had to go back 10 years in time and give yourself advice, not financial advice like buy Bitcoin, what would you say?
1: I had to go back 10 years in time and give myself some advice? Yep. Um, probably just be more willing to fail, I think. Uh, That's good. I, i've played it so i think in my younger years especially i played it so safe and i don't mean as in like oh like i don't have a desire to go skydiving for instance and that's not because of like maybe a safety thing i just don't really want to do it i don't mean like that i mean just take some more risks i think the first like real risk i ever took in my life was like moving country and kind of just moving for something i didn't really know much about and to be honest uh i wish if I, I don't regret it but i think if i was to tell myself yeah, younger self it's like just just be a you know be willing to fail i think a bit more um don't be so i guess attached to success that you then fail to even (laughs) take some risks
0: It's an ego thing right um for
1: sure so is yeah it's like want to be the best but maybe i just make it easy
0: yeah it's this weird relationship with uh failure and its effect on your identity and who you are so you see someone yourself as someone who doesn't fail and then you ended up it, like, it's like a weird toxic relationship there. that kind of leads you to just not trying things and not succeeding. Um, yeah. That's a good, a good advice. I like it. So that, that Hayden then actually concludes this, uh, this little interrogation. For me, it was interesting. I like it. Like I really like to dig in what motivates the person to do what they do. Cause we know Hayden Dale on a very surface level does content with the podcast, the videos, he plays flesh and blood, but I just love to listen to why he does all those things. (laughs) It's so fascinating to me, and I think we got a lot of really good answers today.
1: (laughs) I hope that. What did you
0: think on the other side of it?
1: (laughs) Tough. I felt like it was a a grilling. It's so funny. I listened back to the things I said, and uh, I think it's it is it is me. Like the the I guess the answers I gave are just are just who I am. Um, It's so funny. I think I'm becoming more comfortable about being who I am in front of other people, in terms of especially what we do. With arsenal pass i think when when we first started i was really guarded and reluctant to, to talk about me at all to be honest if you'd asked me to do this maybe three or four months ago i probably would have told you to piss off and we're not doing it yeah for sure. um but i feel really comfortable with like our whole, our community with what arsenal pass has become with you as well you know like our friendship um so yeah i mean i'm i feel okay to 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 describe some of the things that drive me to make content to Play Flesh and Blood to want to succeed in the game, um, even through to some of the things that drive me in in life and my professional career and personal.
0: Yeah, even if it's as petty as just fulfilling your your promise to, to James White that you're going to see him at Worlds. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So closing up here, I just want to shout out the YouTube channel, the Arsenal Pass YouTube channel. We did hit that 3,000 subscribers that goal that we made not long ago at all. So. Thank you so much, everybody who subscribed. It helps us out a lot. Um, and like Hayden said, he threw up the uh the Welcome to Wraith draft guides, which are really honestly, I believe some of the best content that Arsenal Pass has to offer. So go check those out and crush those welcome to, farewell welcome to Wraith events that are coming yeah. up. And yeah, so if you want to find us on Twitter, I'm located at Brendan APG. Hayden is located at Fiendale. Um and you should uh like i used to say like we love engaging with people now we're running twitter spaces That is a great reason to follow us Be queuing those up during spoiler season it's gonna be super fun if you've never done twitter spaces before try it out i think you'll like it um it's it's great anyway Hayden, that concludes this episode until next time see you in the next episode <laughs> see you later